Welcome everyone to the house of the Lord. Welcome. May the Lord speak to you this morning. Um, there are some we haven't seen for a while, and some are first time visitors here, but I'll, I'll speak with the uh, first time visitors at the very end of, uh, of our service today. And so, with that, I would like to go straight into what we are going to talk about this morning. The seven elements of good success. Amen. The seven elements of good success is what we are going to talk about and we will let the word of God speak to us. In everything that God created, everything, God created them to succeed. When you think about it, from Genesis, everything that God created, he created for them to succeed. He created the fish, he made them to swim, and fish swim, that is success. He created the birds to fly, and they fly, that is success. They help us with, 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 with uh, pollination, that, that is success. Everything God created, he created them. To succeed everything including us when you look at genesis chapter 1 from verse 27 all the way to 31 we were created for success amen we we're created for success so the question now becomes how is it that some people succeed and some don't why why is it that some people seem to do well and some don't yes we begin to look at the issue of sin coming in and destroying uh, everything that was, 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 was meant for us. But at the same time, there are some things that we need, we are responsible for, and we need to take action for those things to happen for us to experience success. Amen. Some things God will not do for you. Our brother was, uh, was leading us in prayer this earlier on, and I thought, well, he's just looked at me and said, what's wrong with this guy? You know, but then that's how God works. You're saying, if somebody is sick in your family, for example, it doesn't make sense for you to pray for them and not care for them. God expects you to pray for them for sure, yes, but he will also expect you to care for them because people who are not well need care. Amen. So there's a part God plays and there's a part also we play. Our God is awesome. He, he chooses to partner with us on our journey to success. Hallelujah. So today we're going to look at these seven elements of success. We, we can apply these to whatever the, the Lord is working on in your life. For some it may be issues to do with their family. For some, it may be issues to do with the ministry God has called you to. For some, it may be issues to do with, with work. Maybe it's business. Maybe it's your children. Whatever it is, God has called you to something and he wants you to succeed. And that plan has never changed. It's been marred with, with sin and the works of the evil one, but go, as far as God's concerned, success still has to happen in spite of everything. So turn with me to our main background text. In uh, Joshua chapter 1, background text, Joshua chapter 1. The more I study the book of Joshua, the more interested I become in this journey. So Joshua chapter 1, I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Bible says, After the death of Moses, 
the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Just in case you thought he's giving the land to somebody else. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread on, I have given to you, as I did, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. So uh, you just have to ask a question. How, how was God showing Joshua this? Was he there in person with him? Because he's pointing. There seems to be some pointing there. Just about. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to, the, to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and good courage. Do not be afraid, nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. So this is what has happened. Uh, you notice that, that, that the context is that Moses has died. And God buried him himself. We still don't know to this day where that place is. But God buried him himself. And God had picked on uh, Joshua, who was an assistant to Moses, to lead the people of Israel into the land which he had promised before, way before. And... Joshua apparently um, needed to know some things. So God told him the scope of the work that he needed to do. And he gave him the boundaries where he was supposed to conquer. God will always be specific to what he's calling him to. It may not be specific in its entirety, but it's enough for you to have information to take the next step. Hallelujah. So he tells him, this is the land. I want you to get this land from here all the way to the great Euphrates. The land that God gave the children of Israel is not where Israel is today. Because Israel is supposed to go all the way to the Euphrates. And that, that, we know that is where they That's as far as I want. So, so God says, this is the land I'm giving to you. And um, he also tells him the kind of person that he's supposed to be. Because success is not just about achieving things. Success is about becoming a particular person as far as God is concerned. There, was a, there were a few instances, I remember, in the presidencies of, of the U.S. and even in Malawi, where people were questioning, is this the character 
that we should have in a president. And um, some people said, no, what matters is whether they deliver or not. And the issue there was the Monica Lewinsky, if, uh, if you remember. People said, no, 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 as long as he delivered, it's fine. Nothing about the character. We've done it here in Malawi as well. We said, never mind the history that there's this trait about this person. It's okay, as long as they deliver. And we paid heavily for them. But as far as God is concerned, the character of a leader matters. If you're going to get success and your character, character doesn't match up, as far as God is concerned, that is not success. So he tells Joshua to say, I want you to be strong. I want you to be of good courage. I want you to be strong and very courageous. Why should you be strong and courageous? Because you need to observe all that is written according to the law. How many of you know that these days, just like it was in the days past, for you to be able to follow Jesus Christ wholeheartedly, it takes courage. Because there are those who say, we do not proselytize around here. I think that's the word. You can't do evangelism. You can't tell people about this. But it's funny how the other religions seem to get away with it, even in the marketplace. But when it comes to the God of the Bible, no, 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 we don't do that here. We can't give you this funding because you have got these four components in it. It, it. it takes courage to stand up for what the Lord has called you to do. It takes courage to stand up and say, I follow Christ. So God tells Joshua, I need you to be courageous and strong because this was going to be a physical undertaking. God was calling Joshua to literally fight battles. And as you go through the book of Joshua, you see this all. So, in, in, in doing this, God also makes sure that he lets Joshua know that he will be with him. That was very, very, very critical. I will be with you just like I was with Moses. Just like he is with us. In fact, these days, it's far better because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. So God tells him, he says that, I will be with you wherever you go. God wanted Joshua to succeed, and he even went ahead to outline the strategy that he was going to use for that success to come, back, come to pass. Hallelujah. Our God is good. When we say that God wants you well, he means it. And he's not sleeping on the job. As far as he's concerned, he will do everything that it takes for you to succeed. And we thank God for that. Amen. He has not left us as orphans at all. He has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. We are told in the book of Peter. So let us zero in on the plan that God has crystallized in verse 8 of the book of Joshua. In verse 8, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, after you have done these things, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That's God's promise. Amen? I know there's been a lot of talk about prosperity and success from different angles, different quarters there. I've been found there are, there are motivational speakers who are not even Christians. They don't even believe in the God of the Bible, but they're using this. There's a process. 
and we're going to take note of them and learn from them. And I will be making application as we go. I don't want to wait until everything is done and say this is our application. We'll talk as we go. Number one, the first thing I want you to note is that there is a source of success. If you go out and ask anybody whether they believe in Christ or not, they will give you a definition of success and they will talk about the source of their success. There is a source for success. Amen? The source of your success exists somewhere. It may be God, it may not be God, but there is a source of success. The Bible says, God, the first thing he tells um, uh, Joshua is that this book of the law, this book of the law, and God was referring to the first five books of, 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 uh, of the Bible. That's all they had those days. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. Okay? So he tells him, he says, this book of the law, the Torah, this one, this book of the law, it shall not depart from the mouth. Everything he was going to do on fulfilling his God-ordained destiny was going to come from, be governed by the book of the law. It was going to be governed by the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. You and I have something much better. We have got the word of God that is a lot more. We have got more than five books of the Bible. We've got the whole thing. Turn with me in your, in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I will read two verses from John chapter 14. Verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. He who has my what? My commandments. There are things that Jesus Christ has commanded us. It, it is obeying God when we have communion as often as we take it. And, 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 and Jesus says that when, when we love him, we we'll obey his commandments. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, that is Judas, not Iscariot, but the other Judas. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. You see that? We have more than just the Torah. We have more than just the book that, that, that Joshua had. We have God himself speaking to us on a day-to-day -day basis. John chapter 15 verse 7. We looked at this yesterday during our time of prayer. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, if you stay in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Amen. If you hold on to what God speaks to you, what God has given you, no matter what it looks like. The other time, our sister Yami was preaching and she said that sometimes you don't look like the promise God made you to be. It sometimes it doesn't look like, it doesn't feel like you are the promise that God, God gave. It doesn't look like you, you are the purpose that God is to, has told you he will turn out you to be. But you hold on to the word. Because when you do, the Bible says that you shall ask anything and it shall be done to you. That's, that's a blank check. Amen? But it's a blank check only according to the word of the Lord. John chapter 17, verse 8. And we also look at verse 14. 
John chapter 17 verse 8 the Bible says for I have given to them the words which you have given me and they have received them and they have known surely that I came forth from you and they have believed that you sent me verse 14 I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world the point is you and I have put the word of God 24 7 just for the asking if we continue to remain open to God, we have the word of God to us. And so success, for us, success is even far more attainable probably than Joshua. Even more than Jesus Christ himself because he says that greater things than what I've done will you be able to do if you remain in me. Amen? So Moses understood this. And say to God, if you will not go with us in the promised land, it's better for us to stay here in the desert. Listen, you are better off somewhere where it doesn't look good, it doesn't feel good, but you're with God. Because right there, God will provide for you. Amen? You can be in a land of plenty without God and life will be miserable for you. But that's not God's desire for our lives. David understood this, and that is why he continued to inquire of the Lord as a habit. Many times you read, and God, and David went to inquire of the Lord. Shall I pursue my enemies? Will I overtake? Will I overcome? If God said yes, he moved. If God said no, he didn't move. The times that he did not inquire, it was tragic. So, again, you see it in Joshua. Joshua had learned later on to inquire of the Lord. Isaiah said that you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Do not turn whether either to the left or to the right. When you are in touch with God, you, you, you are available to his counsel, you are available to his leading, you are available to his guidance, just like that on the spot, like Nehemiah. Nehemiah, the king, asked him, he said, what is wrong with you? You don't look so happy. And on the spot, Nehemiah prays. And God gives him wisdom on how to answer the king. Right there and there. We have that kind of access to the Lord. It is like Joshua when he has marched to defend the Gibeonites. And then the battle starts. And there are so many enemies against them that God has to rain hailstorm. And the people who died of the hailstorm were more than Joshua and the army had killed at that point. There are so many people that at some point, General Joshua decides this is a vantage point. God, could you please just hold the sun for a bit until I'm done? I watched a documentary, um, I think it was National Geographic years ago. They discovered the, the, the Israeli Defense Force, the U.S. Army, and several armies, they actually studied the book of Joshua for military strategy. That was strategy. And they said that the reason Joshua asked for the sun to stand still, when you go to Israel and look at the geography of where this battle was taking place, was because the sun was about to set. And Joshua and the Israelites had their backs to the sun. So the sun was in the eyes of the enemies. And that is a vantage point. Amen. And God, and God says, Joshua, which God to finish this off. I know the the um 
and the military uses this when they are doing uh, aerial bombardments. They never come from nowhere. Of course, now it's more advanced. They have missiles they can guide and so on and so forth. But back in the day, what they would do is that they would have a helicopter maybe attack a place, but they will always come with where the sun is, is shining from. So when the enemy looks, to you, looks at you, they know you're coming, but they can't see you because you're using the sun as a shield. And I discovered they, they stole that from, from God because a kingfisher, a fish eagle, does the same thing. If you go to Salima, for example, not far, just go to Salima, you will hear the fish eagles. Just, just watch it. Before they go, they always give out this call. Very beautiful. You know he's about to take off. And when he takes off, usually he would have been watching somewhere from a vantage point where the fish are. Okay? And when he identifies this is where the fish is, and it's morning like now, he will not come from this angle. He will always come from where the sun is. So that the fish, all they see is the sun. Before they know it, and it looks so effortless. It's like going to pick uh, a pencil that had fallen. The way those things catch the fish. When you have the word of God in your life, when you are open to the leading of the word of God, I tell you, you have an unfair advantage. You're always moving with the word of God behind you. And all the enemy sees is God. Hallelujah. You get that picture. So it is very important that this book of the law, the word of God, is always with us. Hide that word of God in your life so that you may not sin against God, but also that you may do the things that God has called you to do. Jesus Christ said that he did not do anything unless he had heard it from the Father. Paul instructed us to walk in the Spirit. Bottom line, the source of your success is the word of God. The source of your success is God. Whatever God has called you to your success as a parent, your success as a husband, your success as a child, your success as whoever you are at work or in your business, it has to come from the Word of God. There's enough instruction in the Word of God for that. So, the question I have for us in terms of application is, is the Word of God your source? Never. Is it? How are you doing in terms of studying the Word of God? I'm not saying reading, I'm saying studying. Because there's a difference. How are we doing? So, the first one, the first element is, is the source of our success. The second thing I would like you to notice is that this works for everyone. This book of the law is there for everyone. Because God is not a respecter of persons. When God says, just as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. The issue is not about Moses or, or, or Joshua or the ones who are going to come before them. The issue is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This works for everybody. God, God is just there waiting for someone who will dare to believe him. All the exploits that the saints that have gone before us have done is because they chose to believe in the book of the law. It is for everybody. 
God does not favor somebody because of where they were born. God does not favor somebody, does not give someone success because of, of, of things that they have done. But the only thing that God will, will, will respond to, I've preached about this before, is that God will always respond to faith. And whoever you are, God will respond to your faith. We'll discuss with my wife this morning. Say, you know, the lineage of Jesus Christ is not a pretty one. If we were to talk about our past, Jesus, I think if I were Jesus, I wouldn't say it. But God has put it in the Bible. There's a harlot in his lineage. You know, there's incest in his lineage. There are scandalous people. But why did God take notice of them? Because they chose to trust him. And because of that, he showed up in their lives. And he blessed them. There's a program on, uh, I think it is BBC Lifestyle, it's called The Science of Stupid. <laughs> the Science of Stupid. Um, you get to learn a lot of laws of physics in, in that program. Uh, because they are explaining why people have all these silly accidents because they do not know the law of uh, gravity, for example. Uh, laws like um, angle of momentum, center of gravity, and so on. So if you overload your car, the center of gravity becomes low, and it's very easy for that car to tip over and have an accident. Okay, so they said, please do not, um, do not overload your car. But after they explain the law, then they, they, they show you all these video clips of people who are doing all these Stupid things. That's why they named it the science of stupid. <laughs> there was there was this lady who there was a challenge at one point going around. How much cinnamon can you eat? And they explained the law of why cinnamon is something that you cannot just eat raw like that. And this lady put a whole lot of it, and she her mouth was burning and everything. So stupid. But the point is, there are laws in nature that work regardless. Okay? ESCOM doesn't hurt you. It's just that you were stupid enough to put your finger where you were not supposed to. You understand? So this book of the law, it will work for everybody who chooses to get in touch. The choice is yours. The law of the spirit works anyway. Gravity works everywhere. If I go on top of Kangombe building and then I, I, I jump and I say, God will take care of me because I'm Pastor Sunga, you will soon come to my funeral. God is not going to suspend the law of gravity because I'm doing something stupid at that point. The law is there. You either cooperate with it and get the results that are required or you don't and you don't get the results that are required. So, have you accepted the fact that God wants you to succeed? What is keeping you from moving forward? Are you aware of the laws of success according to the word of God? Are you? Because some of us, and this one I keep hitting on it time and time again. Some of us think we need to get rid of negative people in our lives and then we shall succeed. Oh, ask, ask Nehemiah. There are some people God didn't remove until even after this project was done. You would think that Sanballat and Tobiah would have been killed or something. But at the very end, you find that they are there and Nehemiah has not managed to get rid of them. They are actually living in the temple. 
And sometimes God does this just to keep us in check. Just to keep us in check. So number three, first of all, the book of the law is our source. Number two, it works for everyone. Number three, you need to stay focused. People who want to be successful at something are focused people. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So this is the new normal. I'm amazed at how distracted we have become as a people all over the world. Everyone is on the phone these days. Some of you are on the phone in the church. Oh, Pastor, my Bible is here. But I also know you can easily get distracted and start playing games. You can get easily distracted and start managing the event you have this afternoon. In church, I've seen people, we saw somebody uh, a few days ago and my son pointed and said, Dad, that guy is on a bicycle. He's, he doesn't even have a smartphone, but he's on the phone. And he's cycling and he's looking at that. And you're like, he, you, we could have easily hit him. I hope nobody did hit him. But we have, we have become so dependent on our phones and our mobile devices that we easily get distracted. They say now that the attention span of a human being with a phone these days, I think it's come down to about five seconds. If you are producing a video or anything online, you've got about five seconds to convince those people to watch the rest of it. That's how short their station span is. We are struggling to stay focused with, with, with things. I've seen people who have gone jogging and they get, they have got earphones and they are jogging. Sometimes they can't hear the car coming because they are so distracted with, I don't know whether they are listening to a podcast or they are listening to music, I don't know. There are people wearing earphones and, and they're just walking on the road like they own the place. They are distracted, totally distracted. You blow the horn and they look at you like, you've done something wrong. It's crazy. Do you see these things? Or is it just me? Here is one that I see every single day I take my children to school. There's this nanny who takes a child to school. Obviously, it's not her child. And she is on the phone. And she's not even holding the kid's hand. She's just walking. The kid has just learned to follow this person. So it's, it's a hazard. I've seen parents more on the phone than with their children. They're taking their children to this children's playground and so on. So it's like, ah, my child will be playing. I'm on the phone. It's sad, really. We just can't seem to focus on the things that we need to focus on. And if the enemy knows something about sabotaging your destiny, is that he just has to distract you. He doesn't have to do much. He just has to distract you and get you to do something you're not supposed to be doing. That's what he does. That's what it takes. And he's successful, fortunately. The Gibeonites came to Joshua and They came with the deception that they had walked for a long time and they had heard about all these things. And uh, in the end, Joshua discovers that it was all a deception. 
and he had already gone into a covenant which God honored. You know? So he couldn't now kill them because he had already made a covenant and he couldn't go back on it. Joshua chapter 9 verse 14. The Bible tells us that when the Gibeonites came and presented their story with the false obvious evidence they had manufactured, this one time, the children of Israel did not inquire of the Lord what to do. Sometimes it may look so convincing. Sometimes it may look like, oh, this is how success is going to play out for you. Or oh, listen to this person. Or oh, listen to that. And, and it looks so convincing. But if you just take your time and inquire of the Lord where your focus should be, you will realize there are some things you will not have ended up with because you did not inquire of the Lord. So if your source of success is the Bible, stay there. Stay focused there. If God has called you to do something that is specific to you, don't get sidetracked with something that God has called somebody else to do. You need to continue to stay before God and ask and say, is this something that I should be doing? Otherwise, as they say in Tijewa, You get entangled in things that you didn't think about. But then you have made concessions, you have made promises, and now you are tied on to those promises. Stay focused on the instruction for the word of God. You will keep him in perfect peace, he in whose mind is saved upon you because he trusts in him. Isaiah 26. Stay focused. I used to be a, a, a big boy when I was young. You understand? But I was uh, I was chubby. I, I was chubby. Believe it or not, I was chubby. And uh, when we were playing tag, uh, so my friends learned that I couldn't run fast and I couldn't run for, for a long time. So almost all the time, by the end of the game, I was the loser. I was the biggest loser. But I developed a strategy. I picked out who was the next slowest person in our group. <laughs> so when we were playing tag, what I would do is when they would come and tag me, I would just focus on that person and nobody else. And I remember my friends complaining. Asungari, why you don't the one whom I would pick would say, but don't you see so and so? They were even nearer than you. But I had I had locked on this target and I knew whatever happens, you are the next slowest person I will get to you. That's focus. That's focus. I've seen some fox Watch that. No distractions. So what are the things that have been making you lose your focus? How are you going to deal with them? Because they are there, aren't they? 
when you meet with your fellow pastors, things the discuss the conversations go like, oh, how are you? Like, how is the ministry? This, this, oh, it's going strong. We are five hundred strong now. And you're thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> On a good day we don't even hit hundred. You can easily get tempted to want to do things just to get the crowds in. And God says, uh-uh, that's, that's, that's not what this is about. Even if it means it's one life at a time, that's what I've called you to. You can easily lose focus when you know in this school my children will do well and are doing well. And then your friends start talking about the other schools. So keep your focus. Number four, personal responsibility. There's this word, you, that occurs in this chapter, the first chapter of Joshua. And even in this um, uh, uh, verse, the word you brings out something that most of us do not like to look into. Since the Garden of Eden, we do not want to take responsibility when things go wrong. But we want to take all the shine, all the glory when things go right. It's just human nature. We want to identify with those who are successful. We are like that. You may not be responsible for where you were born, but sometime you became responsible for the decisions you make. Where you are is your responsibility. You are responsible for it. Amen? So you, we need to take that responsibility and say, you know what? Where I am, it's, it's, it's because of me, the decisions I've made. Don't go around blaming people because of where you are. There was a time, maybe, but at some point you began to make decisions for yourself. You began to realize you are the one who's responsible. So stop giving excuses and take responsibility. We'll come to, to, to what the scripture says. Let me just give you an example of how irresponsible people have become. There's a student in Australia, this was on BBC radio, there's a student in Australia who actually sued his professor for not telling him the questions that were going to come in the exams, and he won. So what is an exam? What's the whole idea of an exam? It's happening. Not long ago, a high-profile couple announced their divorce, and they said, let me quote the, the way it was said, we no longer believe we can now live together as a couple for the next phase of our lives. After a great deal of thought and a lot of work on our relationship, we have made the decision to end our marriage. So who's responsible for the success of this one? It was them. Basically, it was an admission to failure. If you don't know who that is, go online and use Microsoft. That's it. But this could easily be you and me. We easily give excuses for things that we are responsible for. There was a time somebody called me and said, Pastor, I hear you're a pastor of Kessis. Uh, I said, yes. I said, I would like you to come and talk to my son. He's become a good <laughs> I said, no, I'm not talking to you. Instead, I need to talk with you about how to talk to yourself. Because don't you know, it's not my responsibility to raise up yourself. It sounded harsh, but that's the reality. 
Hello? There are some things we are responsible for. There's nobody else who is responsible for my wife. I am responsible. I'm her husband. I can't dedicate it. No one else is responsible for the children that I have. It is my responsibility to bring them up in the ways of the Lord. It is mine. I will appreciate it when you help me. I will not turn you away. But by the end of the day, God is going to hold me accountable for the way I've raised them. Amen? So this thing of God talking to you, send, him to the, send her to her auntie so that they... I don't that's a matter. You cancel Yeah, but it is your responsibility. It's called the scripture. It's very clear that the Lord expected Joshua to do something to take up responsibility. Let's look at how many yous are in this verse alone. Verse 8 of Joshua 1. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Whose mouth? But you shall meditate on it day and night. It's not going to be God giving you the meditations. You are going to do the meditations. That you may observe according to all that is written in it. It is going to be you observing, implementing what the word of God is telling you to implement. Nobody else. Don't say, oh, the deacons. Uh Uh-uh, it is you. And then it says, for then you, that's the fourth time, will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. That's six times. You is in one, one, one verse. So who is responsible to speak the word of God? You are. I am. Amen. Who shall meditate on the word of God 24-7? I am. You are. Who shall implement the word of God? You should. I should. Who will be prosperous when all this is done? Huh? Let me ask it again. Slow. Who will be responsible when all this is done? You. Me. For then you will make your way prosperous. Your way, not mine. If we are going to do anything as a church, if we are going to go anywhere as a church, we have to be responsible for our way. Amen? Who will have the good success? You. We as a church, if we take responsibility. And the Lord Jesus Christ expects us to take responsibility for our lives too. In John chapter 15 and verse 6, I think this is the easy to read version that I, I, I got down here because it comes out very interesting. It says, if you don't stay joined to me, you will be like a branch that has been thrown out and has dried up. All the dead branches like that are gathered up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Stay joined together with me and follow my teachings. If you do this, you can ask for anything you want, and it will be given to you. You get that? 
If you abide, this one I think is a KJV, right? If you abide, if you remain, if you choose to be one with God through his word, you ask of anything and it shall be done for you. Last week's preacher was very clear on this one, talking about becoming one. It, it, it's, it's that picture I keep giving you of here are fish for you, there is the sun, your responsibility is to become one with the sun. So that what you need to do, what you need to get, you shall have success and you shall prosper. Whether it is your relationships, you can apply these things. God wants us to be successful. Amen. I am telling you, these things work. The word of God works. Amen. So here's the question. Who decides to abide in Christ? Who decides to stay in Christ? Who decides to be with Christ regardless? It's you. It's me. There are times, there was a time um, we were doing some marriage counseling. And at the very beginning, I asked the question, I said, uh, I asked the husband first, I said, do you love your husband? I said, yeah, I still love him. I said, do you love your husband? She said, my love for him is gone. I said, there's nothing else to talk about. Oh, that was after I asked the second question. I said, do you want to fight for your marriage? She said, yeah. I said, there's nothing else to talk about. Because if she doesn't want to stay, there's nothing else we are going to do or say to make her stay. So make if you decide not to follow Christ, there's nothing else we can do to make you stay in Christ because you have decided not to follow Christ. If you decide to, to, to stay away from the fellowship of believers, there's nothing else we can do. That one, God will have to sort it out in his own way. We make the decision so, so that we are focused. So have you accepted responsibility for your past failures and laid them at the Lord's feet? Because the reason why people don't want to be responsible for things is that if anything goes wrong, then you are blamed for it. And it's not easy to be blamed, be responsible for a mistake. Joshua went through that. They went to Jericho, they had success. They went to Ai the first time, they were beaten. 36 Israelis killed. And Joshua goes back to God, what's wrong? The issue of Achan comes up and God deals with that issue of Achan. And then by this time, when you come back, I think it is Joshua chapter 10 or so, when, when, when God tells him to go again to I. Joshua was scared. You know why? He had been beaten before. They say once beaten, twice shy. And God had to tell him, no, I want you to go and this is actually how you're going to conquer. So on the basis of God's word, he went up front and conquered that. Most of us have, had, have made mistakes. In Most of us have failed. And it even hurts more when it was not your responsibility. I remember somewhere where I used to work. 
um, oh boy, I, I was responsible for for bringing down a debt that we had incurred as an organization. That was up to around forty thousand dollars. But this was nineteen ninety nine. The people who were responsible had moved on. And they said, we need you to head this team and accomplish this. You know, the things that we were finding out after the audit. People would get angry with me. But I didn't make the decisions. It was a very stressful time. But I just took the responsibility and said, yeah, we made those mistakes as an organization. We are working on them, so why are you angry? You know, but... Anyway, long story short, we did manage to do something, and now out of debt and debt is completely But we need to take responsibility. So accept that responsibility. I need to ask you what you will do in order to start being responsible. For some people, you know, it's always somebody else's fault. Eh? Have you met those people? You're probably sitting next to one. Or I can guarantee you, someone here is sitting next to that person. It's always somebody else's fault. And also, I think we're on point number, what, number five? Five, yeah. The other thing is to think the word of God. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. To meditate is to think it. You know, your words reveal a lot about the way you think. Your words, the words you speak, reveal a lot about the way you think. Your thoughts have got a source. Amen? Your thoughts have got a source. There's a constant battle about how you should think. Joshua was instructed by the Lord to keep the word of the Lord as the source of his thoughts. And to keep the word of the Lord in his mouth all the time. Now, let's just think about who Joshua was. Joshua was a warrior. Okay? Why was it critical for Joshua to meditate on the ways of the Lord? Because the ways of the Lord and the way people think in conventional military warfare are very different. How do you tell a general, a warrior, to say, this is how we are going to take down this, this city? I need you to have the Levites in front with the Ark of the Lord and those people with trumpets uh, a little bit behind and then the warriors. Be you don't lead with a praise team to war. You don't. So Joshua has to adjust the way this God does things. It's not the conventional way. If you're going to be successful, you better do it according to the word of the Lord. There will come a time you will draw your sword and fight. But right now, I need you to march around this city once a day and on the seventh day, seven times, and then you will have the city. And Joshua, knowing the way soldiers think, tells his soldiers not to say a word until the mission is done. Do you know why? Because we talk to each other. We do. Do you, really, do you think the way the pastor has done this, what do you think? 
the war up by December, is that realistic? Honestly, you want us to hold our swords and go around the city and the enemies will be watching. They will not, they will not fire upon us. Are you sure? But you see, if you've been with the Lord, you come to a point where you know that the one who told you that I come as a commander of the Lord's army. In other words, the agenda here, Joshua, is not about you or the enemy. It's my agenda. The agenda in your life is not just about you. It's about the Lord's agenda. So, Joshua had to continue being before the Lord. Because, think about it. How would you, if you were Joshua, take two million strong congregation across the flooded river? Hmm? You would say, oh, let's make camp. Let's get comfortable for a few months. After, after the river is, is a little bit affordable, then we will go across it. In the meantime, just go upstream and find out. Another team, go downstream and find out where we can actually cross. Maybe there. No. God says, you're going to cross here. Taking Jericho, taking Amma after the fall. There are some things God will tell you and you'll be saying, <laughs> and the Lord says, this is what I want you to do, and he's not even explaining me how at that moment. Have you been there? So, thinking the word of God helps us to be one with God and to see how God is going to eventually work things out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, the easy-to-read version. Other versions say that we have been given the mind of Christ. The easy-to-read version says we have been given Christ's way of thinking. And that thinking only happens when you are staying in the word of God. You're studying the word of God and you're meditating on the word of God. Amen? And the reason is simple. He wants us to be one with him. There is power in unity. Even God himself attested to the fact when, when, when they wanted to build the Tower of Babel. They spoke the same language. They understood each other. And God says actually that what they had set out to do, they were going to accomplish it. And for that reason, he went down and confused their languages because then all the glory would have gone to men. So, in First um, Peter chapter, sorry, John 15, verse 5, the Bible says, Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I to you, you will produce plenty of fruit. When a tree trunk and the branch are together, you know, a branch, a branch gets all the glory for producing all the food, fruit. But everything the branch is, is because of the trunk. Amen? So Jesus says, I am the trunk, you are the branches. If you don't produce fruit, you wither away and die. That's not God's will for your life. He wants you to produce much fruit. He says, but separated from me, you will not be able to do anything. You, yeah, you might have some things that are happening physically that look like there's success, but if Christ is not in it, if your sustenance is not from Christ, it's just a shell. It's just a shell. It may look good. Surely one day it will crumble. So Jesus says, stay with me. 
whatever it is you're doing, stay with me. Because if you want to do this in your own strength, if you want to get the nourishment from somewhere else other than me, you will not be able to do anything. And in the end, people say, we used to think it was a genuine thing. But now, uh, they have said that about people. May it not be your portion. Stay in the word. Meditate on the ways of God. The Bible says that his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are wiser than ours. And yet he gives us his way of thinking so that we should operate like him and have success the way he wants us to have success. Point number six. There's just this phrase that keeps coming from Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Observe according to all that is written in it. It says that you shall meditate on it day and night, and you may that you may observe according to all that is written to it in, in it. You might observe everything the word of God tell you, tells you. Observe sounds like somebody is standing somewhere and we just observe it. These days there's this did you stand. Uh-uh, that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is you should be doing what it is that the word of God has told you. Amen. So the Bible tells us, uh, I don't know about you, but the home that I grew up in, in my home right now, my family, we have instances which uh, Pastor John Hagee calls intensive moments of fellowship. You know, when, when a brother is being really difficult, when a sister is being really difficult, when your wife is behaving otherwise, when your husband seems to be the cousin to the devil, those are intensive moments of fellowship. So the Bible says that a soft answer turns away anger. It turns away wrath. So they come. Hey, I had called you, but you didn't. No, no, no. And you say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't call you and you feel bad about it. Yeah, but these things should not happen again. Usually what happens is that the person begins to cool down. A soft answer turns away wrath. The Bible is true. You will have success in your relationships just with a soft answer. You give, and it takes a lot to give a soft answer. It takes the, the infilling power of the Spirit of God for you to say, hold on, hold on, hold on, let them finish, let them finish. <laughs> or is it just me? The Bible is true. God wants us to have success. That was just one example. There are examples. You know, you have met people who have spoken things like, he says, and he says it's the past. And you're thinking, 101 ways to respond to it. I could really give it to them. And there are times I have. Getting better. There are times I just be quiet. There are times I just say something to misdirect the whole, to redirect the whole conversation. <laughs> Observe everything that the Word of God says. I'm amazed these days by how much people know. Yeah? Yeah, people these days know. They know how to design a traffic interchange. They know how wide the lens should be. They know how to run a constitutional court. 
people know how to run uh, to run a re-election. <laughs> they know how to deal with mental health. People know how to fix somebody's marriage. People know how how to be to be a good president. People know how to fix the economy. We talk a lot and pretend to know. But when it comes to action, it's pitiful. When you go on Facebook and you look at the way people know, you know there are people who, who know how to manage a football team more than the managers who are employed there. The answer is simple. Just go and get the job. But we know we can't do it. That's my commentary on social media. But you know, it does not matter how much you know if you're not implementing it. I think it was uh, John C. Maxwell who said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can't claim to love somebody, but you are doing things that are opposite to loving that person. True success from the Word of God will demand that you put what the Word of God is saying into action. Amen? Many of us are scared into doing things that we strongly believe we are scared of failure. We are scared of success. Do you know that there are people who are scared of success? They have done things and God has blessed them and they think, oh, now is the time to, to roof my house with a corrugated iron sheets. And they will not because they are scared that they will announce their success and the witches in the village will begin to bewitch them. We, we know people like that here. Scared of success. If I get successful, or if I just show that things are now going well in my life, people are going to say, this is satanic. We've heard those stories. People are genuinely scared of success. People are genuinely scared of failure. Because if you have failed before, and you fail again and again, and pe people say, you know what, there's something wrong with this person. Otherwise, how come they keep on failing? When you read the life story of um, uh, Abraham Lincoln, you discover that ah, it's a different story. The guy had failed to become president, I think something like 14 or 16 times, before he finally became president. But his presidency was one, one that was through very difficult times in the U.S. history. And maybe you just needed a president who had no money to fail to go through the presidency. Yeah. It's unfortunate that our education system punishes failure. Maybe we should begin to reward failure. Yeah, um, the company called Alphabet that runs Google has got an entire section where they actually reward people for failed projects. And most of those failed projects, after knowing how not to do, <laughs> have turned out really, really good. So the product that Google used to have called Buzz is a failure. Then we had Google Circles, it was a failure. Then we had uh, Google, Google Videos, it was a failure. But then they discovered YouTube was doing well, so they went and bought YouTube. Okay. Google Maps, 
came as a result of some failed projects. Google Glasses. And so, you know, they are saying, this is how not to do something. After they have successfully failed at it, then they say, how can we do it right? And they have produced some products which are doing very well on the market. It's a very interesting concept. But you see, if I hadn't learned that 2 plus 2 is not 5, then probably I wasn't thinking. I had to fail several times, and the teacher had to write those words. You remember that? Those were very painful words. And you go three, four times, and then finally you would get it. Finally you would get it, and you would stick. Unfortunately, we punish failure. But I want to know of people who have succeeded that have not failed at all. Most of the times, there's failure that goes along with it. I was trying to count how many times I've failed in business. I think it's over 15. Did you hear that? Over 15. Every time I think I get one day. So when someone comes and says, Abu I am very cautious. <laughs> Why? Because the past has taught me some things about how not to do things. There are some people you don't partner with in, in, in business. There's just a certain type of people you don't. So, what is holding you from doing what God has called you to do? In verse 9, God tells Joshua, I have, have I not commanded you? It is me who has commanded you to do what you are supposed to do. Just go and do it. In other words, God is saying, it is my name that is online. It is my reputation that is at stake. It is not yours. Just go and do it. And if I will not bring it to pass, then I cease to be God. He says it. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever so I don't know what God has called you to do in life, what God has asked you to work on at this particular point in time, but all I am saying is, get off your seat and go and do it, because God says, have I not commanded you? This is not about you, this is about me. Have you ever thought of what would have, it would have been like if God did not come through when the Levites finally stepped into the river? And the water is not seeding at all. The ark would have gotten lost. Those guys would have drowned. But God says, it's my reputation I'm pinning this on. It's not about you. You just do what I'm telling you. I know what I'm doing. I know what I want to bring out in your life. Just go and do it. But many times, we are so self-conscious that we forget to see God in it all. Many times. There are times the Lord has spoken to me and I know I need to go and pray with somebody and I'm thinking, if I go and I start praying and this person starts asking, so Pastor, what is that about? Have you ever had those fears? 
God tells you, go and share the gospel with this person. And all of a sudden you begin to say, Lord, that person, that one is well, is they are well off. They don't need this. And you know what? I am a nobody before that person. And you want me to go and share the gospel with them? But you have forgotten that it is God who is putting his name instead. It's not you. Amen. God is looking for people who just jump at his next command and say, we'll do it. Because God has said it. And the final one is guaranteed results. For then, when, after you have done all these things, the book of the law will not departing from you, but, and you are focused on it, and you are ready to go into action, I want you to know that only after you have done these things, these processes, are you guaranteed results. Because it says, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Not just any kind of success, but good success. If you have these things in place, the ones we have talked about, the law of the Lord, we have talked about uh, the law of the Lord working for anybody. We have talked about the law of the Lord being something, uh, success being something that you, you, you put into action when you hear it, that you are focused on it. This is God, God's word is your source. After you have done these things, you are guaranteed prosperity and success. Now that may look different from each, for each and every one of us. What I will consider prosperity is tied to my God-ordained destiny. The thing that God has called me to is not the thing that God has called you to. It will be different, but it will be prosperity and success. Good success. Not the kind of success that breaks you. Not the kind of success that brings you shame. You know, they are, those things, are they are, they are true. There was success by a certain guy. He went by the name of Hash Papi. You know that one? And he was busy showing off all these uh, designer label clothes, Gucci and whatnot. He was living large and so on and so forth. And he had a huge following on, on Instagram, I think. Yeah, it was Instagram. And he, he, he just lived it off. He had a gold rose voice. He, he got deals, promotion deals, you know, where you just wear, uh, how the footballers do it, that wherever they go, whatever they do, they, they, they wear, let's say, Nike or Adidas and so on. He had deals like that for Gucci and all these huge labels and everything else. And people were following the guy. Yeah, also following him was the FBI. Because they couldn't, it didn't add up, this seeming success. This, this apparent success. They would ask the guy, the guy would be saying, well, I'm into real estate. I own buildings. And people were like, which ones? And they followed him and he had accomplices in the U.S., some from his home in Nigeria. He had others in Europe. And, from, and they were basically defrauding companies and people. And one day, he made a stupid mistake. Just a simple thing. An email. And somehow it was intercepted. And everything came out. And they traced. And they spent about three years collecting evidence against him. Quietly. Three years collecting evidence against him. 
And one time, I can't remember what it is they did. I think they duped him to fly to Osaka. Sorry? Dubai, yes. And that's where they got him. Now he's answering charges. Some have already been it looked like success, but it was not success. God promises that if you do these things, you shall be prosperous and you will have good success. It may be a seemingly simple thing like, God, help me to be a godly mother and raise my children up in your ways. If you do these things, you shall be prosperous as a mother and you will have good success. That's okay before the Lord. Whatever it is God has called you to, he says you are guaranteed results if you do these things that he told Joshua. So when the Lord guarantees something, his name is at stake. He says if you believe in the name of Jesus Christ, if you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Based on this, you can go and preach the gospel and call people to believe in Jesus Christ. And when they do believe in Jesus Christ, they will be saved and they will know it. It's God's reputation at stake, not yours. You're just the vessel. Amen. So what have you got to lose? When Jesus says you will be fruitful, what have you got to lose? When Jesus says, when, when the Bible tells us in Ephesians that we should be filled with the Spirit of God, what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? And I want you to notice that it says, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. People begin to see you as the one who is prosperous. They begin to see you as the one who has good success. But you and I know who your superpower is, don't we? You've got God behind you. And he gets all the glory. Make sure you make sure that all the glory goes to God. No matter how great you may become, no matter what name will become, how, how your name is going to go out into the world, I want you to make sure that all that success you attributed to the Lord. Amen? When they say this is an overnight success, you tell them the story of your God. Don't take that glory from him. But you, you shall be successful. So the question I have is, what are the guaranteed results you are expecting in your God-ordained success?